What is it you want, Barry? What do you want? You, you want the moon? Just say the word and I'll throw a lasso around it and pull it down. Ladies and gentlemen, boys and girls, dying times here. Come with me if you want to live. That's it, man. Game over, man. Game over. The Force will be with you. Always. Ladies and gentlemen, welcome back to 20th Century Geek. I'm your regular host, Scott Weatherly, and I am joined by well, a friend of the show and uh, uh, coming back, recent uh, participant in the Batman retrospective, Mike Burton. <laughs> How are you doing, Mike? You okay? Yeah, yeah, I'm doing well. It was uh, my birthday the day before of uh, recording this, uh, so that was fun. Had a day off work, and I just drank cider and read Star Wars comics like all day. I was, and played, I played some video games, and then you know, my mum popped around and gave me this hoodie <laughs> I'm wearing that your <laughs> listeners can't see. Uh, and then Meg got home. We had a cinnamon roll that she made that was absolutely lush. So, I mean, really, I mean, I had to go back to work today. Uh, you know, still lockdown life work, but yeah. you know, it's it, it's cool. It's had it was fun yesterday because i just with all the comics and things i read you know i've kind of got i've got work comics and fun comics and the work comics are the ones i'm reading for at the podcast at the time mm-hmm, mm-hmm. and obviously the, i'm going through everything so where i am now is about three years behind in a lot of the main series so i'm it's really strange because yesterday i was reading all the newest episodes uh all the newest issues of the main run of star wars yeah, yeah. which is set between episode five and six while on my podcast i've just been reading an arc set between episodes four and five and i reread the <laughs> comics for this one so i'm just reading all just bits and pieces of styles comics from everywhere but yeah, i've caught up with all the all the new ones that have been out the last month or so so i'm all nice. <laughs> caught up in that way so I was like, mm. yeah live, living off like a boss so that's it when a day off you'll see you want to do it <laughs> drinking cider and drinking comics that's uh that's the so, way to live it that is um <laughs> so yeah but yeah you're here talking about comics you're here to do uh desert island comics um, mm. you asked the question um three comics that you would take uh, onto desert island and uh, you made your choices so let's quickly call that you they're all star wars comics so it's a star wars mm-hmm. special edition um show you chose star wars c-3po and the story is called phantom limb mm-hmm. um quite i'd heard of this story but had never read it until this this point and then two issues of the charles soul um darth vader and mm-hmm. uh, issues five and 25 mm-hmm. um which again just sort of to, to give a little nod sort of um they're brief reads but there's a lot in them <laughs> <laughs> yeah all of them are it's it, for very different reasons it was one of those things where when i was trying to think of which star wars comic because when you asked me about the sort of desert island comics and things i was thinking and i was like in all honesty i don't think i've really read any decent one shots from anything that mm. aren't star wars and then most of the marvel dc or other things that i've read like i'm currently partway through book three of miracle man now after you uh, steve you recommend it so much so, yeah so i've finished book one finished book two and book two was phenomenal and now i'm on book three and i'm a couple in and it's like you know with miracle man if you said if, if you said you know what would I want to take? I'd say probably the whole Miracle Man collection because I feel like I could just constantly read it. But mm. the problem is, is that that's about what twenty or something comics, or along those lines. So it's like I would choose one of them. It's like, but with really oh, big uh, stories, it's just you know there's certain moments that are really cool, but for rereadability and and things, they don't necessarily 
without a connecting universe to be able to tap it's, into. It's a, it's a hard one, that is, because you know, mm. I, I love Miracle Man. I think it's one of my favourite Alan Moores. Mm. I could tell you, like you said, I could tell you my favourite issue, mm-hmm. um, but like you say, it would make no sense without the no. context <laughs> of the rest of the story. I don't even think you've got, have you, I don't know if you've seen ahead, but, but obviously you, so you've met Kid Miracle Man. Um, yes, I've just met Miracle Woman for context, so I'm right, about okay. two issues into book three. Yeah, um, yeah. yeah. Um, I'm not going to spoil anything because so you, so you, you don't know anything about what's going to happen. No, I, I've managed to go into this completely, apart from listening to the Superheroes for Dummies episode about yeah. Miracle Man, where Steve specifically didn't spoil it because he wanted Dan and Paul to read them. Um, aside from that, no, I, I don't know anything. Um, I'm in line to buy the Golden Age Neil Gaiman. Batch of, love that. Uh, that that's a, as well. that, that is in fact that is like a series of one shots and there's an issue in yeah. that that i return to regularly like at least once a year that i absolutely adore and mm. uh, so yeah and obviously gaiman has uh, I, I met with um what's it robinson uh robertson i forget mm. his name now the guy who's doing the art um you just said it was, was it, it wasn't craig uh, gareth no you, you said it yeah, before we press recording, it's good. it's really but Robinson. Uh, but he, he wrote he does like fables and a bunch of stuff. Great artist, great guy. I interviewed him last year, well, the year the year before, and he's been doing the art for the next six issues. Um, so Gaiman's wrote, written them. They've got twelve issues. He's been doing the art. So I'm so excited for that. It's the Silver Age, isn't it? Yeah, Silver Age is going to continue through. So very excited. But I won't spoil the end of of book three because it no, gets, uh, it gets crazy. It's it's, it's immense. I've, I've heard it's good but yeah because of miracle man and some of the other stuff i've read like i've read quite a few of the big uh spider-man and batman comics as well like i've been mm. getting into them but it's also like you know oh the the last issue of batman hush it's just like well all of mm. the things that happen in that don't mean anything if you haven't read the prior comics exactly so yeah, yeah it was quite a hard one because i said i've just read kind of blocks of I've i've got like whole stories so i was like because i've just read relatively every canon marvel star wars comic i thought that's probably the best pool to go into mm. it just it just kind of like puts the blinkers on a little bit rather than getting like analysis paralysis of just staring at every comic like oh, i don't know yeah. but these are good choices <laughs> it's a good pool to go because we haven't really had anything from this uh you know before so i'm glad i got to read these just quickly stepping back when you have read miracle man book three um just go into uh, just to pop my own back catalogue uh, there is an episode, I'm not sure if it's a one-parter or a two-parter, but it's uh, me and Julian, uh, co-host mm-hmm. from uh, Stories at Time and Space, discussing the whole of Miracle Man. And oh, nice. we get into some real sort of like some real in-depth stuff. So go check that out, ladies and gentlemen, if you love Miracle Man. Um, <laughs> anyway, let's talk Star Wars. So the first issue, uh, I'll be doing this in, in publication order, is mm-hmm. C3, C-3PO uh, Phantom Limb. Mm-hmm. So, well, first before we get into the comic, explain because I always have this nitpick with you. Uh, explain to people why <laughs> this comic exists. <laughs> well, the reason this comic exists, uh, for blunt reasons, is that Star Wars films often leave in uh, plot holes or lots of chunks of information that don't really get explained very much. And when they make the films, they don't think about it that much. And then when the film comes out, the question that is asked constantly is things like. How does C-3PO get the red arm in The Force Awakens? Mm-hmm. You made quite a big deal about that, then never mentioned it. Why is it that, you know, this happens? Why is it that happens? And, you know, as much as many people's sugar in, but I enjoy it, the 
the problem is with Star Wars, it was one of my favorite things, which is a lot of the expanded content, so the series, the books, and the comics, they, a lot of them just answer questions or plot holes mm. from the films. I mean, a good example is Rogue One is arguably one of the best Star Wars films, if not the best in at least recent years. Yeah. And that film, plot-wise, is maybe the weakest on the basis yeah. that it's just a plot hole for, for A New Hope. They went, yeah. how have you got a moon-sized um, battle yeah. station that's been in production for 20 years? How did one bloke with a, with a missile shoot it? And then they were like, hmm, it's a very good point. And then after, you know, Family Guy and, uh, uh, what was it, uh, Robot Chicken and everyone basically parodied it for decades, they went, here's your answer. Here's and uh, yeah. they, it was probably like the least thought out film of the five new ones, and yet the best made, which is quite baffling. But it, it's, yeah, like, it's, a, it's a movie <laughs> mic drop, isn't it? It is. It's sort of walking on and going, <laughs> boom, there you go. There's your answer in your face. So Yeah, exactly. <laughs> so, so this one more, more sort of tuned in. Um, this one is specifically about how 3PO got his red arm. And what's funny is I first heard about this before I got into the Star Wars comics. In the Lego Star Wars The Force Awakens video game, mm. there's some downloadable content for a bonus mission. I think it might be a free bonus mission. Um, but it's a bonus mission called The Phantom Limb, and it's how 3PO got his red arm. And it's right. an adaptation of this comic. And oh, I wow. remember, So it's really random that basically, I think this comic, I've got some notes here of when it came out. Because it came out April 2016, and Force Awakens was December 2015, I think. Mm. Um, and so... It was meant to come out in the Journey 2, but there's lots of delays with it. It was meant to come out in, they, with all new styles films, they do a Journey 2, blah, blah, blah. And they normally release like a couple of books, uh, a couple of comics, and then some random other thing. Yeah. Um, and this was meant to be part of it. But because there were so many delays and things, it actually got released quite long after it was meant to. Um, so I, I have a feeling what would have been good, this would have been genius, is if they'd have released at the right time and given it, like everyone who went to see Force Awakens opening night, if they'd have done something like that, genius, because they did that with Venom. I went and saw that, which is a film that a lot of people don't like. I enjoyed. I thought it wasn't as good as it could have been. But yeah, yeah. I, yeah, exactly. I was like fairly inoffensively okay. But I went and saw that and I got a one-shot comic about <laughs> Venom when I went just for going uh, so early. And I feel like this would have been the perfect opportunity yes. to, to jump on that. And I just don't understand why they haven't... Because in this, you can get it as a standalone copy, which I do not have, but I've got the copy of it in... Uh, there's a a mini series called Shattered Empire and it's set mm -hmm. within hours of the end of Return of the Jedi. Mm. It's pretty good. It's not amazing, mm. but it's pretty good. And in the hardcover version of that, this comic is in there. But in the in the normal trade paperback it's not. So when I was updating my Star Wars comics collection when there was basically, you know, I had the majority of them, but there were a few holes of, of comics I hadn't heard of. When I I made a big list when I started on my podcast and this was one of them and I was like, wait and I looked into it and I was like, wait a minute, this is the story from the Lego game that I know about. I was like, what? And you, this is much more adult because the Lego game is like, is, what's it called? Like canon adjacent. Like the events yes. that happen are generally canon. Like the holiday special, for example. Yeah. It's like, for now, we could all assume Finn became a Jedi and that's lightly canon. But until, but something could very easily contradict that. Yeah. Uh, but it's kind of like the light version. And yeah, so I remember finding this and I was like, I need to own that. So, I mean, you'll see me on an iPad because I will gladly say, not a sponsor, it'd be lovely if it was, Marvel Unlimited. Oh, yeah. <laughs> Wonderful. Yeah, so on Marvel Unlimited, it's uh, excellent. I've, I'm on there and it's just because it's in my comic bin with, mm. and it's got loads of stuff in it. I was like, I can't be bothered to take that out. So <laughs> I've been going through all my comics. I've got loads of uh, sleeves and backing boards and stuff that I've been doing. So lots of fun there. But yeah, I've got it on Marvel Unlimited. Um, 
But yeah, because you said you hadn't read this one, had you? I hadn't. No, I, I didn't. It's, it is one of those, like I say, it's an interesting situation because I remember when the posters came out for Force Awakens and there was all, those, there was all the hype. And as you sort of alluded to, C-3PO stood out because of this red arm. And it was on the poster. It wasn't overly prominent, but it was clearly there. And I remember there was sort of like, you know, I mean, it wasn't like Mephisto levels of speculation, <laughs> but there was all this speculation of like, what's this red arm mean? Does it, does, you know, is it something alluding to in the film? Blah, 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 blah. And it never really came to anything. But it was clearly one of those things that, like you say, fans hooked onto. And um, I'd heard about this and heard actually it was quite a good comic as like a one shot and I'd never I'd never got around to just never got around to reading it. Um I'm I'm glad I have actually because the story is interesting. Um you you said something off air which is very true though. I wish we had this version of C3PO in the films. Especially Rise of Skywalker. That's yeah. my biggest I, I will say that Rise of Skywalker C3PO is probably the funniest C3PO in I would argue any of the films because he's got mm. so many funny lines. But the problem is is just that you know, I like all Star Wars films, including the sequel trilogy, and I think Rise of Skywalker is probably still better than Phantom Menace. Although I, still, I do like Phantom Menace, and I know that we obviously had that comics and trial episode while I was defending it with the skin <laughs> on my teeth. Um, but Rise of Skywalker was, for me, one of the weakest films plot-wise. And one of the things that frustrated me is there's just loads of random little pitfalls of things, yeah. which just seemed to be... You know, this is a concluding saga of a nine, arguably 11-film saga that's been ongoing for 40-plus years, and by the end of it, you've got more questions than you had answers. Yeah. And that pissed me off more than anything. I was like, this is meant to be a full stop. Not, well, you know, in 20 years time, when Disney basically say, surprise, Skywalker episode 10. It's like, don't, yeah. we all know that's going to happen, but you should have pretended. Close the story off, please, at least. Yeah. yeah, exactly. And in that, they just didn't. They kept doing all these pointless loose ends. Like, oh, C-3PO, he could read Sith language, but he's not going to because his program permits it. Oh, so we're going to wipe his memory. Oh, we're going to bring it back right at the end. So, ah! Why are you wasting so much yeah. time? We'll get to the because that it made me think of that as well, actually. Because this this book brings up the, this thing of memory wiping. That's and, my favorite uh, part. Yeah, uh, and it, it's it's loaded with Easter eggs. It's that oh oh I know what he's talking about kind of thing. <laughs> but more than that, like you, you know, it, it's it says so much more about the the the. Um, the experience of being a droid in the Star Wars universe is, for want of a better phrase, pretty shit. <laughs> like this, you know, it really is not a fun existence. No. Uh, it, it, I was reading this like, this is a cherry little jaunt, uh, you know, sort of all this stuff going on. This is a bit of adventure. Two thirds of the way through, you're like, oh no, this is a really, wow, this is getting into some real the um deep like you know discussion around the, the sort of um what 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 really is sentience in a droid and what right do we have to wipe their memory and i'm like wow yeah this this turn this turn left pretty quick <laughs> <laughs> i thought you'd enjoy it when i, oh, when I, I was thinking it was about great them, yeah when i was thinking about these i after um I kind of, you know, sifted through my collection in in a way and was kind of thinking of, I thought, I definitely want to do these two Darth Vader comics. And I was trying to think of the third. And I was like, but none of the one shots that I've read, they're all like, there's one where you have Cassie and meet K2SO from Rogue One. And it's just so bland and uninteresting. Mm. It's just like, Ugh. and you've got a couple others that are quite cool. Beckett's one's quite good, actually. Um, but once again, there's just, 
The problem I have with a lot of one shots is I know Desert Island comics is not meant to be just one shots, but when it's a one off issue, it's hard to not choose ones that don't yeah, connect yeah. and things. And it's just like there are so many of them that are just okay. And it's like, mm. I wouldn't, you know, the Beckett one's cool, but I wouldn't want to be stuck on a Desert Island with just the Beckett comic. I could bloody mental. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. This one, I feel like you could delve into this probably. I feel like you could almost do, um, you know, you get those podcasts that are like, Star Wars minute and it goes for like a minute of yeah. every I feel like you could do this but almost three p, uh, three p a page and you yeah. could almost do it where each page you could probably have a good 15 to maybe half an hour breakdown discussion on each page because as you say there's certain parts and you read it you just go Jesus this is a Star Wars comic that kids could read and some yeah. of the stuff that gets brought up in it is it's, there's loads of layers of it there's obviously as you say the sentience or the consciousness of a droid you've got the mind wipes you've got their role not only because the rebels are the people who treat in when, when this is set, this is actually set um, a couple of years before the force awakens. So at some point before the force awakens. Mm. And it's like, at this point, you know, the baddies have gone in air quotes, you know, the first order slowly rising, but they're basically gone. And it's like the, the good guys are the ones who treat the droids the best, but even they don't treat them well. They no. treat them like pets at the best. You know, everyone, everyone hates C-3PO because he's annoying as all hell, which is true. But the thing is, is that he's treated almost like a five-year-old yeah. by everyone, even people who like him. And you just think, God, could you imagine being as old as him and just being basically bossed around because at a flick of a button, people could just hold you down and wipe your mind. Whereas obviously the Imperials and stuff are very cruel to their droids and that gets tackled a bit in Star Wars Rebels. But even you either basically get completely abused or treated like a five-year-old and you're completely disposable as well. So it is this quite wretched existence, really. It, that's one of the things like, yeah it is like people or you know the human element or whatever you say of the star wars universe like really looks down on the droids and it's it, it's a bit of a running joke isn't it within the star wars mm. universe sort of thing you know your bag of bolts and all this other stuff but one of the things that this book does and we're going to credit the writer for this as well is it's almost like um uh, I can think of it like a, the Dirty Dozen or mm. the Magnificent Seven or something like that. Mm. This is where like there's just a band of droids and they've got a mission. Like they've crashed on a planet and they've got to get to this beacon so that they can be collected because they have this uh, prisoner droid, uh, Omi or whatever. It's a female droid. That if gender it can be um, ascribed to a <laughs> droid. Um, but then they give this sort of register and it goes through and like C three PO is basically justifying why he should be in charge. Mm. And all the others are going like, well, there's a security droid, there's a construction droid, there's this and that. And at first, you are like, there's a medical droid. Like, so it literally feels like, you know, uh, I've seen every film where you, know, you get the sort of the band of ra the ragtag band of soldiers together, and you've got like, well, here's the drunk medic, and here's the explosive uh, no, the explosive expert with like two fingers, whatever it is. Um, that's how this feels. But then they all justify their role in the team. And, the, mm -hmm. you know, there's this sense of duty that comes with this book as well. Like, no, we are doing this because we are part of the Rebel Alliance and we have got a duty to do it. And I'm like, Jesus, like, yeah, even the, like, th these are droids. Like, they're pro, they acknowledge this level of programming. And then they obviously talk about sentience. But, like, all the robots in this, all the droids in this, there's, there's sacrifice, there's, you know, like, it's, it's really sort of quite an interesting book to be like, I mean, James Robinson, who's written this, written some great stuff in the past, but like, yeah, in this, he's really like, I want to see this. If Droids, the cartoon, had been this, mm. like, you know, or like some weird Japanese anime that did this, oh, I'd be all over that. It'd be amazing. 
Yeah, what's funny about that is obviously, yeah, because you're talking about the really old school droids cartoon. Yeah, aren't you? The, yeah. That is, I've only seen a couple episodes of that, but that is rough viewing. Oh, yeah. <laughs> I wouldn't recommend <laughs> Just, it. Even the look of 3PO looks nothing like C-3PO anyway. It looks like the concept mm. art from Ralph Macquarie. They were like, hey, let's make this before Star Wars is a thing. Yeah. Um, but and there's a little Easter egg about Ralph Macquarie in this as well, actually, um, which I'll point out in a bit. But um, uh, my point, I was going to, I had a point there. It was a build up to something. And I've completely, uh, completely lost it. So there you go. Continue <laughs> with what yeah. you were saying. We'll, we'll see if we come around to it. No, but I was thinking about this thing about sacrifice. Like they, they, they go mm. through these trials and tribulations, and you see this band gets taken apart. And, and you know, the, the, the um, security droid um, sacrifices himself so they can get away at the base of a cliff. The construction droid puts himself across a bridge and then sinks, unable to mm. save them. And it's constant this idea of they're doing this to reach this end goal because they've got to get this information to the, the rebel Alliance. Um, and it's to save Admiral Akbar, which by the way, I love the fact that like Admiral Akbar has been taken hostage and that's the least important thing in this book. <laughs> um, but no, I, I was just really impressed. I was like, this is a really good book. I mean, I'm doing, I'm actually doing a lot of research around robotics and stuff at the moment for something I'm writing. And uh, so th- I was reading this and this idea of like sentience and emotion at like, the end of the book, mm. like, he attaches this red arm, which comes from, uh, well, I don't know if but we're going to, sp- we are going to spoil these books. Go and read it. Even yeah, if you know, it's a one shot. Yeah. You know. Um, that the prisoner basically gives up the information and sacrifices, uh, her itself, um, for, to save C-3PO. Um, and then he wears or utilizes the arm after losing his arm, but it's the final shot. Mm. Is it's him? It says he sort of. Um, they make this. The, uh, uh, BB-8 makes a comment about the arm. It's what's a, it's a beep and a boop. But and then C-3PO says, you know, so well, I'm I'm just going to wear it for a while just to remember. And there's this there's this notion of like, emotion and grief, even just in that moment. But what I thought was more interesting, and again, I could be reading massively reading into this. He looks. He's looking into a, a window, and you've got this reflection coming back, and it's all the droids that were sacrificed in this mission mm. but they're all blue and to me they, they look like force ghosts and that's not that's, the, intention. that's they're not i'm not saying that they are force ghosts and they're there but it's it, in a star wars universe mm-hmm. it, it it leans towards the good doesn't it like you know they were sacrificed yeah. for the good cause and i was like jesus th- th- this is this notion, notion of now of like souls and afterlife and i was like Oh man, this is leading me down some path. I'm so glad I'm not smoking anything reading this because it's <laughs> that could that could be the conversation though. If it's a late night around a fire with a <laughs> a few yeah. clip, a few fun things to smoke, and then you'd be chatting about this with your mates till God knows what time in the morning. Um, but I was going to say the thing I remembered was actually there's a there's the, the two of the upcoming series uh, for Disney Plus. One is called Droids, and one is mm. called Visions droids we don't know anything about it's basically going to be they say utilizing brand new technology in some manner um to create a all new all new uh story about droids and you're gonna it's gonna be half hosted by 3po and r2d2 
and I'd probably BB-8 would be in it, but it's a brand new droid is the main focus. And right. it's just about droids. And I don't have overly high hopes for that because I feel like they're going to aim way too much at the kids and not get into the yeah, details yeah. I want. You know, I want more about like L337 from uh, Solo, a Star Wars story, hmm. which is, you know, her whole idea of like, she's fighting for this, uh, you know, she's always fighting for the cause. She wants droid rights. And then her ultimate goal, which is actually a punishment really, is she gets, her consciousness gets put into the Millennium Falcon forever. And she's stuck in the Millennium Falcon, being their slave, worse than probably death. <laughs> it's yeah. like, oh, when you think of it like that, it doesn't sound too happy. Um, but you used, yeah, a word, you, you used a word there. Like, you referred to it as a consciousness, not a programming, not her. Mm. Like, and again, it comes back to this idea of sentience. Like The droids in this have got agency and make decisions and stuff. And I just find that all fascinating. That, like They are true mm. characters. Yeah, exactly. And it is, you know, they, they've, the writer um which you said it was james uh, robinson he's i mean the funny thing is the art is all done by a gentleman called tony harris as well because mm. often a lot of the time you know i'm sure you're aware is there's often a penciler and an inker sometimes yeah. it's just one but then there's also normally a colorist or color artist as well and then you know uh people who do the dialogue the letterers and things but i think this was basically all pretty much all him that, that guy tony harris which mm. i mean the artwork in this is it's the art is quite with Star Wars comics, I find that a lot of the time, with the, t- the, t- the big selling ones, like the Darth Vader comics, things like that, the artwork is on point, the storytelling is on point. But when you get to the more B stories, normally one or the other is a little bit weaker than the other. But I find that this one is really, really up there. And oh, I remember what I was going to say. Visions, the other Disney Plus thing, that is going to be Japanese animation for Star Wars stories. Yes. Apparently it's looking at them in a new lens and what I'm hoping is stories like this are going to get made into, not, I want new content because I was going to be bored, but yeah. like I'd really want this story, if they made this into like a manga or anime rather and it wasn't over the top filled up with all of the tropes of anime because I, I do like some anime but if it wasn't over the top anime it was just Japanese animation and oh, almost done yeah. to the page. This, I think this could be like a game changer for how Star Wars view droids. Because I, I want there to be a big droid subplot somewhere, even if it's in a comic. I would love to get into the the, the nitty gritty, the term Megan hates, um, the depth into, as you say, like sentience or is it consciousness? Is it, you know, how how do droids cope with it? Do you have droids with PTSD? Because one of the things that you touched upon when we discussed this earlier is there's a point in the book, in the comic specifically, where... 3PO, well, there's a couple of times, but 3PO and Omri are talking and whatnot, and they talk about having their memories wiped. And, you know, one of the points in it, it's got uh, 3PO talking about his memory wiped, and he says he can see, like, flashes and things, and he remembers, you know, uh, it's like a planet full of fire, mm-hmm. and uh, thing, and it's, you know, one of them is referencing uh, Naboo. It was basically the prequel saga, because what happened is, for a lot of people who may not be aware, in Revenge of the Sith, 3PO gets his mind wiped by Bail Organa. Right at the very end, he says, I'll get this protocol droid's mind wiped. And then R2 lets out this funny little beep, like, go ahead, mate. And obviously <laughs> then when he sees Obi-Wan and stuff, R2 recognizes Obi-Wan, but 3PO doesn't and things. And it's like, when they do the flashbacks, it's, I'm trying to see, because the, the artwork for this is absolutely brilliant. It is, here. I love it. It's, um, the panel work is so interesting. I love when they do different things. But he says, um, uh, he says, I see flashes for for just a moment of places. Rocks, a factory of droids, an arena in the middle of a battle. My body, not my own, which will see Attack of the Clones. A green world of hills, underwater cities, Phantom Menace. Mm-hmm. And then a single city spread as far as my optical senses could see with the temple on fire, which is also when Anakin attacks the Jedi Temple. And you're thinking, yeah. having PTSD is probably the most horrendous things to happen in Star Wars in a long time. And he says that 
I have memories too. And yes, sometimes I allow myself to wonder about them, but I also accept it is a droid's lot in life to be in service of its master. You're like, Jesus Christ. Yeah. Well, this is the thing. <laughs> it, it, it does come to this point. I mean, you could say, you know, if you really want to dig into this, it's a massive plot hole. Cause like, well, he has these memories, but he, they're not clear. It's not like mm. he's like, Oh, I know. I remember Anakin and I remember this, I remember that. Cause that would really yeah. make a mess. But it's, like, it's almost like it says, it's like flashes. It's like in a moment, there's like just, you know, it's, um, as we all know, when you delete things on your computer, they're not really deleted. They get compressed and they get sort of, you know, pixelated or whatever. It's that thing, isn't it? Like part of that, you can still tap into that. So he has these things. And as you say, like, to, you know, but he's got this programming that limits his um, desire to do anything other than serve. That's his purpose. He has a raison d'etre and it is to serve. But there's, you know, there is a part of you that's like, well, you've got sentience. And so, yeah, I, a lot of other stories have done, sorry, a lot of the comics and things have done uh, stories about robot rebellion, you know, everything, or an AI sort of thing, everything from the Terminator well, to Westworld, the Matrix. Westworld, which is what you at the moment. Yeah, Westworld. Yeah, got, I, I've been loving that, by the way, your stories at a time of space. It's great. But, oh, um, thank you. It's just yeah. quite a good little show. I love Westworld, <laughs> the series. So, yeah, that's what you think of. Um, but you're right. These stories, and it always feels like, but within the Star Wars universe, the droids always feel safe. Even when you get like, what was the one in, like, say, the one in Rogue One? L three three seven. Like basically threatens to kill uh, Jen Erso. Like you know, she's she's basically like, I'm going to blow your head off. And oh, in the sorry, nice Rogue One. Yeah. yeah, sorry, in Rogue One it's K two S O. Sorry, I got K two S O. But like you say, you know, so you have that where that they threaten that, but it always feels safe. They never. I don't really even feel like they're actually going to do it. Mm. Um, but this does lift the lid on it a little bit. Where you're like, yeah, there's probably a reason that K2SO is is that way <laughs> about things, you know. And again, it makes you feel think about um, the bounty hunter droid in the in the Mandalorian, and you know his design. Yeah, becoming a protector of of um, you know Grogu and this other stuff, and it sort of it just makes me think about those moments and like, yeah, there's probably a little bit more to that than just like it's my job. It, there's a bit more to it than that, and I just. I like that, that the, the door has been sort of cracked open that little bit into this notion of what a droid is in, in the Star Wars universe. Yeah, because they, they keep it, they keep sort of dipping their toe in the water and then pulling back. And Because they yeah. did that with L337. They did it a bit with K2SO. Obviously, this comic goes in quite hard. But once again, this comic is just like a... It's released quite early on in the new canon. It hasn't, from my knowledge and what I know about people, a lot of people haven't read this or a lot of people haven't even heard of it. Um, and then you've got... The only other thing that's sort of close, there's in the Dr. Afra comics, there's occasional mentions of droid uprisings and things, but there's basically, mm. there's the character Triple Zero, which is C-3PO if he was a homicidal maniac um, who likes yes. draining the blood and enjoying yeah. torture. <laughs> and he's one of the best characters in Star Wars. And I, I'm hoping, I'm pretty certain if I was a, if I was a betting man, I'd bet money that they're going to make some sort of Afra movie series or something. Yes. Because they had all these comics of her and then they randomly released an audio drama basically summarizing all of the stuff she's done in the Darth Vader comics. And I was like, Star Wars don't like retreading on old ground very much because it's kind of a waste of time. But to do it in a way which is a completely new format is the second audio drama from Star Wars, the first being Dooku Jedi Lost, which is pretty good. Yeah, And it's like, why are they doing that? So I'm hoping we'll get Triple Zero on the big screen. And Hopefully. Because... Because, oh, yeah, and she's a great character. I've, oh, I've, amazing. I've read all that uh, Karen Gillan... Mm. Um, uh, Darth Vader stuff, and I really enjoyed it. So like it was, uh, mm. 
and then, so those characters, yeah, Doctor Afra, like he obviously he created her and introduced her, and then she got she got her own strip, and she's now been really popular. So, yeah, it wouldn't surprise me if she's one of the next ones to jump to, um, you know, at least in animation. If you've got things like visions yeah. and other things, like she'll jump to animation at least possibly first. But yeah, that'd be great. Yeah, I'd like to see that delving into that sort of a different view of droids because at the moment you've just got the battle droids from the prequels that are just mindless evil you know air quotes evil and then you've got you know, all the other ones who are subservient and then a couple with a bit of flair of personality but if you've got one who's like triple zero is actually literally programmed to be evil the triple zero personality <laughs> matrix is because they go to the backstory in the dr afro comics of how he got yeah. his that and like one of the main plot lines in the afro comics is triple zero's had his mind wiped and he but he's like centuries old and he's trying to find his first murder. That's that's what he wants. More than anything in the world, he wants to know what his first ever murder was, which is just like, that's such a cool plot line for yeah. a homicidal robot that one would not really, well, someone like me is a simpleton, wouldn't really think of. So yeah, I just think it's annoying this came out in 2016 because I'm just like, if this came out now, I'd be like, this game changer, they're pointing, they're going to go through the yeah. droid stuff. But because it came out right at the start, you're just like, this probably came out and a lot of people don't really know about it, which is quite sad. You get the feeling it was. It, yeah, I will definitely say it's sad that people don't know about it. I think it's one of those ones to explore. Go and explore this comic because it's it's a one shot. You know, you don't need to invest um, loads of time. It's you know, it's like you know, like 23, 22, 23 pages. It's just a well told short story. It's mm-hmm. it's not even important that it relates to the red arm that he he wears in. Uh, Force Awakens, like it's 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 irrelevant. It, it, it answers it retrospectively answers that question. But reading this comic, one of the things that you know, when we did a, uh, we've talked about Star Wars a number of times, especially the prequels and stuff. And one of the things I hate about prequels is where they try to answer every question. Solo is the worst for it because it literally has. When a you checklist. told me about Solo, it cracks oh. me up. Whenever you, when you told me, that, I'd never put all those pieces together. Yeah. But now that you've tell, I tell people all that all the time that you said because it's just so funny what you said. What it like? They've got the blaster, the name, his yeah. whole story, the Millennium Falcon, how he met Lando, how he met Chewie. It's just like everything you know about Solo is all answered in this nice little one Hinge. film. Yeah. <laughs> And so, you know, sometimes like prequels do that, and it's one of the worst um, culprits for it. But there's also like th- this to me is almost like a tasty Easter egg. It's it's not it's not um, trying to answer a big question. It's not trying to answer a plot hole. It's just they've taken a little piece and gone, let's do it. But they've done it well, mm-hmm. and that's what I like most about it. It's not overplayed. It's not you know, ramming loads of East, you know, it's not suggesting that C-3PO has got access to the force. It's not opening up doors to anything ridiculous. It's literally just a story that has a, a really quite a resonating ending and an implication. So yeah, I, I thought this was a great choice. So wonderful. The only other thing I'll say about this, um, apart from I can, at the very end of this, I'll plug it because I tackle this as <laughs> one of the first episodes of my other show. But there's one part, which is, um, I want to see the art as well. It feels quite horror-like. Like the yes. first half of it, like there's, I'll show you, you probably going to see it. The sort of, when it gets surrounded by the spiders. The spiders, yeah, yeah. That bit is horrendous, but also the spiders, that's the little Easter egg I want to flag up, which was in the Ralph McQuarrie concept art for Empire Strikes Back when Luke goes to Dagobah. He made this big spider being. Now, you actually see three alternate versions of the spider being. The most accurate is in Mandalorian Series 2 in the Ice Cave. Right, So yes. that, the artwork, the concept art, 
that Ralph McQuarrie did for the original trilogy of Star Wars, they are used a lot in Rebels and yeah. a bit in Clone Wars and stuff. So they're, they're recycled, which is cool. Um, and so these spiders, um, the first appearance of them, which is which is when they're there, mm-hmm. Um, mm-hmm. that is very, very similar to, there's a creature called Kripka, or Kripka or something. I'm terrible at pronouncing it. And they're in Rebels. And then in Mandalorian, they're the ice spiders or something. Mm. And then in this, and they're all slightly different species, but they're, the idea all is the that same. they all come from that. Yeah, yeah, yeah. They all come from that, almost like the Raffle Quarry concept art one was the OG in a sense. And yeah, then yeah. It's kind the of Genesis. Splintered. Yeah, exactly. Which I just. I love it when they do that. I mean, probably what happened is this: all these people saw the Ralph McQuarrie concept art separately and all just came to the same idea kind of half separately. But Dave Filoni, who is the figurehead at Rebels, and he kind of pushed for the Kripkner to be in Star Wars Rebels, he was involved in Series 2 The Mandalorian a lot more than he was in Series 1. So, like, mm. they are connecting pieces and things, and it just makes the whole world feel bigger. It's just like when mm. we've got... Because on Earth, we've got so many wild cats, haven't we? You know, you've got yeah. a lion, a tiger, lynx, panther, jaguar, all kinds of different things. And they all have slightly different traits. Like cheetahs are basically, they're the fastest, but they're like least aggressive. Apparently, they're just mm. uh, ambush predators. And aside from that, they won't really hurt people unless they're really threatened. And it's like, like a cat, a jaguar, and a tiger, although they look aesthetically quite similar, the way they act, they've got certain traits that are very similar, but there's other certain ones that they don't, just like yes. lions are the only cat that aren't solitary. And what I like in Star Wars as it's going is that more and more things are loosely connected, but not hard connected, not like forcing it. Like every time we meet a giant spider, it's always this one species. Because when you've got a galaxy full of God knows how many billions of planets, it's just like, the, the, what are the chances every single one yeah. is going to be the same? Uh, you know, you, you know my many of my opinions about, about the Star Wars. Like, there's a lot of it I love. You know, I grew up with it and I love it. And I do think there are parts of it that do some of the best world building or even universe building, really, of any franchise. Mm-hmm. You know, because world building doesn't have to be in your face. It's just stuff that like you say that you see in the background that crops up again and again. You go, oh, that's a thing. Like you know, that just exists. You know, like. Um, and then, there's other, but then there's other times when they, and this is a good example of that. Like, oh, just there's just this genus of creature that exists in the universe and is quite widespread. It's like a spider, so it's it taps into that innate fear. And I, I agree, I quite, I kind of like that thing. It's just out there. And then they also have like other people that handle this really badly. You know, there's this sort of thing of sort of just going like in your face, just so you know, like, you know, we've got this character and this character and we're going to do this. And it's sort of, the, I guess, the solo effect. So, but when it's done well like this, I think it's done really, really well. Um, you know, so yeah, no, like I said, we'll, we'll, we'll sort of wrap up on that because it's, it's a good yeah. issue and I definitely recommend tracking down. I, I got it on Comixology uh, for a couple of quid. Um, and it was, and it, let's say it's on, it's on Marvel Unlimited, and I'm pretty sure you could track it down in a, a hard copy, as in a floppy, yeah. on eBay for a couple of pounds, and also. Oh yeah, uh, well, I want to say I got because I've got every Star Wars comic I've got a physical copy of, except the adaptations of the movies, because there's mm. not really a need for that. Um, and I, uh, the hardcover of Shattered Empire is you can get them used on Amazon for like eight quid. So if you want mm. that, obviously it was with a whole mini series, and that's if it's less at the very maximum conceivable price, this will cost you a tenner. Which, yeah. to be fair, it's worth a tenner by itself. I'd say it's one of those few mm. comics where if you can get the one edition of it, like I would really recommend it because it's just yeah, it's 30, 30 odd pages, and it's just a real alternate perspective. I'd say. It is, and it's, it's this. This is the kind of thing that when comics is good, they 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 do well. 
Right. So we, we, we've been to the light side. We've talked about <laughs> um, C-3PO. Now we're going to travel to the dark side. We're going to have two dips with Darth Vader, uh, mm. both on the Charles Soul run. Uh, uh, issue five and issue 25 so let's let's hit issue five first now there's some wider context and obviously this is uh, i believe the end of an arc um yes yeah um, the and first I, oh, go ahead one of the things i try to do is i try not to read around it until i've read the issue so i can take it as a almost as a one shot yeah and um although this is a part of a wider arc this issue as well works pretty well you can pick up everything you need to know in the in the first couple of pages of this and it works as a, as a one shot as well so again great choice um mm. but uh yeah this is an interesting one because it's, it's very dialogue light mm-hmm. um and, and and you know the art's great but it tells a really Interested through this and the next one actually sort of give you a glimpse behind the mask, don't they? So, I mean, yeah. George, do you want to give us some information about this this first issue then? Yeah. So basically, there's in brief, there's three on there's three Darth Vader runs. Okay, third one we'll ignore. Don't need to worry about that. The first one's introduced <laughs> Doctor Afra. It was written by Kieran Gillen, and that is set between uh, Episode Four New Hope and Episode Five Empire Strikes Back. Mm-hmm. Uh, that's a really cool thing. I recommend people go check that out. Charles Saul, who's one of my favorite authors at the moment, he has, he made a 25-issue Darth Vader run in 2017 to 2018, and it's set literally moments after the end of Revenge of the Sith. The first issue, which was, I was tempted to do the first issue, but I chose this one instead. The first issue of the whole run, the first panel you see is him laying on the table thing, and Palpatine says to him, uh, oh, it seems like in, you, in your anger you killed Padme. And then he does that horrible no thing, which is just mm. pathetic. And then in the comic, he force pushes Palpatine into a wall. Palpatine is pretty hurt, but he kind of gets up and he says, I, f- I understand that you're upset. But then he force lightnings him and says, if you ever do anything like that again, I will kill you. Just know that you are a friend and you're my apprentice. But if you touch me like that again, I will murder you. Yeah. And, you know, Vader's suit is basically, in Legends, it's a lot heavily designed, but in canon, it's not as clear. It's basically designed to be very susceptible to force lightning, which is one of the reasons why Vader, in the many years, has never learned to deflect it, is because he's, he's all metal. So, you know, what can yeah. you do? So, this, this is basically, I find that this comic series, uh, the Charles Saul run, is my favorite of any Star Wars comics because I enjoy anakin in the prequel trilogy primarily clone wars does an infinitely better job at showing what anakin can be like but a lot of people understand me felt like his transition to vader when you see him in the end of episode three and then you see him in let's say rogue one you're like even if you know it's been about 19 years it just mm. there's something that doesn't quite fit mm-hmm. and this comic answers that it, it it doesn't shoehorn in unnecessary information but what it does very cleverly is there are certain arcs, and it's the first arc and the last arc which do it the best, which are two of the things I chose, which is him struggling to, to find himself, struggling to be Vader. And this specific arc is called The Chosen One, and it's five parts, and this is the fifth part, is about him getting his lightsaber. And for people, very brief, to get red lightsabers in canon, you have to bleed a normal lightsaber. So you have to yeah. grab it and put bad energy into it that turns it red. This is the story of how, because obviously Anakin's saber gets lost, and then, you know, uh, we'll Obi-Wan picks it up and gives it to Luke and then it gets lost again and then eventually Ray's got it. Um, but Darth Vader's lightsaber is its own thing. And the first four issues is him basically beating this Jedi that's hiding in Order 66. He gets the saber crystal and that's where this starts. And it's just, as you say, it's not very dialogue heavy, but most of the Vader comics, they introduced another character to be the dialogue heavy person like Dr. Afra, because obviously mm-hmm. Vader doesn't talk much. But I just think 
it takes a special amount of skill not just to write but also to draw and ink and color and all that sort of stuff all the people involved in this a special skill to have darth vader you understand his emotions when you can't see his face yeah it's, it's a really darth vader is very imposing obviously very scary looking but in this and especially we'll get onto the other one afterwards obviously but in the last one as well they do a very different way of handling it but i just think these comics do such a good job of portraying anakin to vader so much i'd say better really than the actual films do which is once again one of those things where it's like it's upsetting that that is the fact but i'm happy at the same time that we at least get this rather yeah. than like a lot of film franchises go this film's crap and there's nothing you can do so move <laughs> on. <laughs> at least with this it's a bit of a, a bit of plastering well th- this is you know and again i've one of the jokes i always you know the little ribs i have is that you know for every plot hole there's a comic in, in yep. Star Wars. <laughs> That's true. <laughs> um, yeah. Um, and often you, you, you know, when we cover the films, you're like, well, there's an issue. But again, this is something, th- this comes into the world building rather than, the, I would say this is world building rather than um, plot hole filling. Mm-hmm. And I'd say there's, there's a difference in that um, plot hole filling is, is Rogue One. You know where they've gone like yeah how did how did how did we have this one minor thing on this death star that seems to destroy everything and goes into the main reactor that's nuts <laughs> so they do this whole thing to rectify it um this however though tells that story of like you know you have uh, uh, revenge of the sith and then you meet pretty much like you know the next time you see him ca- canonically in the films is rogue one and it's like, oh, here's fully formed Darth Vader. He's a badass and he can throw people around a ship and all this other stuff. And he's got his red lightsaber. And you do, you sort of go, well, there's a period of time there then of, of that journey. And that's obviously what they're chipping into. But straight, like you say, straight after him but gaining the suit um, and from Palpatine and, and all this other stuff, like, although he's gone to the dark side, like you say, this, the, it's this thing of, it, it's not a switch. You know, mm. like he's lost. He's in grief, PTSD. We've you know talked about it before. There will be moments, and I do like the fact that, like you say, it's not an easy journey. It's not like he he sits up and he's like, "Well, I'm the baddie now." <laughs> it's you know, and and this book's interesting in that, and uh, it's in many ways it's the reverse of like a hero's journey. Mm. You know, because you, you, when you see these films, when you see an origin story, and, and obviously, you know, we've seen plenty of them over the last couple of years with the MCU and all this other <laughs> stuff. That journey from a character going from who they are to becoming the hero you recognise, you know, going, oh, that's the Batman we know from the sort of the young Bruce Wayne, or, um, you know, one of the best versions to me is always going to be Captain America. You mm. know, the sort of skinny Steve Rogers going to becoming Cap and all the stuff and eventually becoming the Cap we know and love today. And you go, well, that's the hero's journey. That's them developing and filling their role. And you go, yeah, but like villains don't just wake up one day and go, do you know what? <laughs> green Goblin today. That's it. I'm done being normal. I'm, I'm <laughs> going to become the Green Goblin. No, and I love the fact that this deals with that. That this is a this is a villain's journey. Like for his for his story to be completed, for him to become the Darth Vader we know, he mm. goes through these trials and tribulations. Which also, again, we know that there are the trials of the Jedi. So for this thing to happen, for for a Sith to have to go through something similar seems appropriate. So yeah, I was really interested by this book, um, and especially some of the things that the the, the K, uh, Kyber crystal throws at him, which I thought was interesting. Yeah, well, that's that. Uh, the the Kyber crystal part says so about halfway through uh, 
the book. There's like two big double page spreads. Um, I think that's what I'm thinking of. I'm just scrolling through it myself now. He just picks it up and he has a couple, he basically has two or maybe three force, force visions. And then there's this big two double page spreads of him kind of his life flashing before his eyes in a lot of mm. ways of what was Anakin. And I just think the artwork in itself is absolutely phenomenal. And just the, the, two, the double page spread, um, which is, I'm going to show you once again, that one there. Oh God, it's just disappeared. Um, the double page spread, which is there, when you can see yeah. Vader at the top there, that panel that is my favorite panel in probably all of Star Wars, just from the imagery that goes with it and things. And it's like, I feel like this comic in itself mixed with the last comic we're going to talk about is just, it shows that transition so well. And the thing is, is that bleeding lightsaber crystals is a very, very new thing in Legends. Sith just got synthetic ones there to make a synthetic crystal. And, that, and whenever you make a kyber crystal synthetically, it always comes out red. That's kind of one of the, the things in Legends. But in this, the only two times you ever get to see lightsaber bleeding are in both of Charles Saul's comics. One is the rise of Kylo Ren and the other one's this one. Mm. And I almost chose the last Rise of Kylo Ren comic as well, actually. And that was a temptation. Um, but I thought with this one, it works so much better as its own thing. And I've I've read this comic so many times. Occasionally, I'm just like, I just really want to see <laughs> Vader's Force Visions again. And I just basically skip to the middle and just stare at it. I'm just like, I could just stare at it for hours. It was like a poster. Yeah, it is. I mean, it's, I'm looking at the same part. Funny enough, when you show that, I was looking at the same page here. One of the things I would say is, and this is one of the things, again, I love about comics, and you get a good artist, because it's not just about drawing um, a good image, and the art in this is great. The, the designs are fantastic. Um, but the artist is almost like a cinematographer. They act in mm. a cinematographer way, so that you know they control the perspective, they control the, um, the journey you go on. And especially, one of the reasons I love digital comics, like I'm 100% digital now, pretty mm. much, um, is that when you use guided thing, like, you know, I don't like to see spoilers because one of the biggest thing with comics is you open a page and you sort of like, they're still teasing you in this panel, but then by this panel down here, there's the big reveal and you go, well, I've mm. fucking seen that already. So, <laughs> and, but you get, you get artists that can give you uh, a panel layout that guides you. And one of the things is if you use the guided view on, on Comixology or, or Marvel Unlimited, as you go through this of him trying to bleed this crystal, it's, it, it, it shows you the sort of his memories. So the first one you get, you got the stuff that's going around on Mustafar, uh, which is where he is. The first thing he remembers is um, Obi-Wan after their fight, I assume. And you can see his rage. And then you sort of start to get all this grief. So you get the moment of him carrying uh, a dead Padme. And then, you know, you see Padme, you think, oh, you know, he's, he, he's not turning the crystal red. And then you just get this glimpse of Palpatine and it's sort of like, it's him, I read it as, it's like him not just bleeding the crystal, but like he's bleeding out all his negativity, all these events mm -hmm. that are basically sort of like he's angry about and, and resentful about and bitter about and grief-stricken about being bled into this crystal. And it sort of, again, goes to show you like, yeah, Darth Vader, he is a baddie. Like, there's no doubt about it. Like, you know, he stands by and destroys a planet full of people. Like, he is a baddie. <laughs> Um, but this almost, like you said, almost better than the sequel, the prequels tells you why he is what he is. He's like, yeah, this, again, this artist in a few panels sort of says, here's all the grief, but all this grief. And it's sort of the, 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 um, the, I suppose it's the, the 
phraseology that they use a lot of going to the dark side. Hate, you know, uh, fear leads to hate, or hate leads to this, that, that, and then leads to the dark side. And as you go through the panels, it sort of like, as I say, it starts with Obi-Wan, goes through, so it goes with anger, then fear, or then grief, and then da da da, leads to Palpatine. And it's like, it's such a really good journey that's been depicted here, like, you know, it's been drawn, and then ends with him bleeding the kiss. I was like, this is really well done. Like, again, yeah. you know. Exactly. And, and it's one of those things that what this comic does well, like Charles Saul, I think he's the, maybe not the Alan Moore, but the Neil Gaiman of Star Wars at the moment, I'd say, mm. because the Darth Vader, this Darth Vader run is considered, along with Kieran Gillen's Darth Vader run, are considered the two best Star Wars comics. And I love Kieran Gillen's. I just think for me, this one's better. Yeah. He's done a Lando miniseries. Excellent. Rise of Kylo Ren miniseries, excellent. The Obi-Wan Anakin miniseries is okay. Um, and then he's done a Poe Dameron series, which I have not yet read. It's the only only Star Wars comics in Marvel I haven't read, but I'm saving them. Um, and he's also done uh, The High Republic, which is he did the Light mm, of the Jedi book, which stuff, I did yeah, a review yeah. on. And that book is the best Star Wars book I've read. I've read about 15, I think, or 10 or something. Mm. And all of them are really good. I haven't read a bad Star Wars book, but that one is so good by so far. The first third of the book is some of the, the best Star Wars I've ever read. And I just think that he, he understands characters so much better than probably George Lucas in some ways, because when you, one of the common themes with uh, Charles Saul's representation of Darth Vader is the whole idea is that Darth Vader has been a slave his whole life. He was a slave on uh, Tatooine with his mum. Then he was a slave to the Jedi and their teaching. And he couldn't, you know, he felt like he couldn't love. He felt like he had to do all these things. He was told that he had to do these things. And, you know, in Revenge of the Sith, you know, he's like, oh, I shouldn't kill Dooku. It's not the Jedi way. Perhaps he's like, just do it. And he does it. And then mm. when it's the other way around and he's there and he's like, Mace, you can't kill Palpatine. It's not the Jedi way. Mace goes to do it. And then he, you know, cleans off Mace's arm. And yeah. then he's at that moment, he swaps from being a Jedi slave to then a Sith slave. And then for his whole life as Vader, he's just, he was meant to be the chosen one. He's meant to be this powerful being. He was meant to, you know, his whole idea was he was going to become more powerful than the Chancellor. And then because he was a bit too cocky with Obi-Wan, he got his limbs sliced off and now he's just even worse off than he's ever been. Yeah. And it's just this thing, as you say, I, I can't remember the exact order, but it's something like, you know, fear leads to hate, hate leads to anger, anger leads to suffering, suffering is that sort of thing. And it's as you say, like, Darth Vader's crystal, and one of the brilliant things that mirrors is the, the Rise of Kylo Ren one, is when Rise of Kylo Ren um, comic, when he bleeds as a crystal, it, it doesn't bleed fully. It mm. cracks, and that's why his lightsaber's so crazy. And it's like, Vader's lost everything. Yeah. And the final thing that you pointed out, um, at the very last thing, is yeah, he sees, he sees Obi-Wan, his brother father mentor whatever but in his eyes betrayed him he's carrying the corpse of his mum he then sees Padme's face he then sees fire and Mustafa and then he sees Palpatine and it's just like Palpatine is that is the hate part yes everything else has been suffering and pain maybe it's his own doings but Palpatine he really hates Palpatine for tricking him and trapping him into this form that he's now in and obviously he's left the Mustafa to die mm. and Palpatine basically won't let him die and I, I can't remember if it's in this series i can't remember if it's right at the end or not but there's somewhere at some point i read it was something basically vader just is alive because he's just kind of almost he it's not that he can't die but it's almost like if he stops and has a breather he probably would eventually just kind of crumble but because palpatine's always constantly uh, trying to get him to do stuff. In the Kieran Gillen comics, he messes up, you know, the whole A New Hope thing mm -hmm. when he lets uh, Luke blow up. Palpatine makes him suffer for that for like yeah. ages. 
And it's just that constant thing of Palpatine's just torturing him. <laughs> it's horrendous. Well, it's, it's funny that you say that because one of the things I notice in this is when the Kyber Crystal sort of offers him an alternative mm-hmm. of like this other path, it's him going off and he's, you know, he has the green lightsaber and he goes and attacks Palpatine mm-hmm. and then he meets with um, Obi-Wan. Mm-hmm. And you think, oh, this is going to be a redemptive moment and they're going to go off and, and you know, become... The, the, the partnership again that's what this is showing like, this is still possible no it's like no, no, even the kyber crystal good no no the only alternative is for you is to kill uh palpatine and then accept your own death mm-hmm. that's and that's what it's saying you know your redemption comes with your death um yeah. and so it, it there is no positive outcome for vader in this which is why sort of he's going no 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 i you know you say the hate is then directed towards palpatine mm-hmm. so it, it, again, it's one of those books that you read this and go, well, that puts another slant on things when I'm watching, especially Return of the Jedi. Yes. So reading this and the next one, and we'll get to that in a second, but reading this in the next book, I wanted to go and I'm, I've been waiting for this conversation. I think I'm going to watch it the weekend. I'm going to go back and watch Return of the Jedi just for that last, that last bit. Because mm. all of this feeds into that thing of like, for all these years... <laughs> You know, Vader's done all this stuff. He's done some terrible things. He's worked for Palpatine, but there's always been a glimmer of like, you know, like you say, I fucking hate my boss, <laughs> <laughs> and it's there. And so it it just adds a bit more to it, and I just find that fascinating. And one of the things as well that I, I was going to say is that in that sort of Force Vision where he goes up to Obi Wan, so he kills Palpatine uh, in the Force Vision, and he goes to Obi Wan. He mm. kneels in front of Obi Wan and says, "Please." Yeah. And Obi Wan's got his lightsaber ignited. He wants Obi Wan no. to kill him. Yeah, yeah. And him now, after the fact, he really wanted Obi-Wan to kill him then and there on Mustafar. He wanted to die. Once you've had all that happen to you, there's no point living. But Obi-Wan doesn't give him the satisfaction. Not you know, Obi-Wan really couldn't kill his brother. That's the re- reality of it. And obviously, because they're pretty cool, you had to have Vader in it. But yes. like Obi-Wan couldn't kill him. And that's the thing that the only time Anakin would have really needed that tough love, which is what Obi-Wan's been on his case mm. about all the time, is all this tough love done. <laughs> And then the Force Vision is like, please kill me. Yeah. And everyone turns his lightsaber off. And it's like, that is so true to form. And I will say as well is that what I really recommend um, is the current Darth Vader run, which is by Greg Pak. And that is between episodes five and six. It links to Rise of Skywalker. It shows how Vader got uh, the Wayfinder for Exegol and stuff. There's a Force Vision in that. And I won't spoil it, but it goes into, he sees a reality of what could happen if Luke kills him uh, in Return of the Jedi. And he has a force vision about that set within a year of that happening. And so what the comics are doing is when you see Vader change, you know, the, the between Empire and Return of the Jedi, it's about a year. Yeah. And in, in the, the, the good thing about the original trilogy is there's not, there's not that much that is a plot hole. There's a couple of bits which don't really make a lot of sense across them. But generally, as a trilogy, most of it makes sense and works. You believe mm-hmm. Vader's mm-hmm. turn because of stuff. But when you read the comics, you go, when you see that the whole time Vader's under Palpatine's thumb, he's always trying to outmaneuver him. He's trying to overthrow him. He's trying to do this. And Palpatine's always so much further ahead because he's so much more intelligent than Vader. The Vader can never catch a break. And every time Vader tries, Palpatine basically wipes it all away, pats Vader on the head and goes, Good boy, you tried. Move on. Yeah, and, yeah. And every time, and it just goes on for like twenty-five years of Vader's life of that. And I just think that the new run of Vader comics, there's about ten of them out at the moment. I, I would really recommend reading them because there's just this one false vision in there, and you're just like, Jesus, it's so. Mm. His life is not a pleasant one. 
And I think that's what the thing to realise is, like I said, these these are world building again. Um, and so I do. I really, I really enjoyed this one. I thought it was fascinating to see. And again, I love the fact that this dialogue light, but says mm. so much, which I think goes towards both. You know, that, that's not to say that Charles Soule didn't do anything. He's obviously mm. he's written this to be this way, and the artist has then sort of like presented it. So it's it's really good. Let, let's just ju- jump to the final issue then, to 25 yeah. of, the, of this Charles Soule role, because it, it, it does a similar thing. Like it's very similar in its thing of this, this, this searching of what is Vader, who is Vader, and, and, and has mm. these flashbacks. What's the context of this one then? Because this is also part yeah. um, seven uh, of yeah. Fortress Vader. Yeah, very brief. Um, so in that same run, um, this is now, um, I think this is within two years now. I'm pretty mm. certain in these Vader comics, the 25, there's a time jump uh, at some point of about two years. I think it might be after the comic we just tackled, actually. And then he gets the Inquisitors and things, which are Rebels and stuff. And basically, he he needs to have some sort of lair or whatever. And this arc is called Fortress Vader. Mm. Um, and in Rogue One, you see it very briefly. And you see it, I think, in the Fallen Order game as well. Um, but basically, Vader has a fortress on Mustafar, and he goes there in his back to tanks to meditate and things. You see uh, Inspector Krennic go there um, in Rogue One. And he basically needed to make one and Palpatine basically said, you need to find your own way. You need to do this, do that, blah, have a force vision, etc." And it all started with Palpatine gave him this mask that was cursed and he got an architect and he made the, he tried to make Fortress Vader. I think it was some stupid amount, like 20 times or ridiculous, but Vader <laughs> kept hating it and stopping him and starting again, blah, blah, blah. And then this mask goes mental and the last like four issues of this mask that have taken over someone's body of an ancient Sith and he's fighting Vader, blah, blah, blah. But this starts now where He's defeated that ancient Sith. He's just by himself in this fortress he's made. And Momin, this Sith, basically activated a portal on Mustafar, because Mustafar's full of dark side energy and stuff. Um, he activated this portal, which is meant to be able to bring people back from the dead. So what Momin did, he's got this weird possession of the helmet. Momin's idea was he was going to go in there and bring back himself. And then Momin would be the powerful Sith, blah, blah, blah. Vader kills Momin. As soon as he flickers, he's like, wait a minute, there's a portal that can bring people back to life. And he, so he kills Momin and he steps through the portal. And this first uh, panel is Vader stepping through this weird ancient portal thing. And I just think the artwork in this comic is my favorite artwork of anything I've ever seen. It's just. Yeah, I do think it's worth calling out actually because we sort of say, again, it's Charles Soul, it's uh, Giuseppe um, Camon Coley. So I think obviously I think I'm going to assume Italian. Uh, yeah, his art on this and the last one. So he did the the last one as well. Fantastic, absolutely phenomenal. Mm. I talked about him being like the cinema cinematographer in the panel layout. Like again, the cinema, the, the 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 sort of the panel layout and the storytelling in the art in this is absolutely blinding. It's it's fantastic, mm. really well done, um, and some really interesting nods in this as well. Um, mm. um, you know, and stuff. We'll, we'll get to one in a little bit, but um, this again, though, sort of tells that story of Vader from a, ch- or you know, let's say Anakin from a child, uh, mm. depicting him reaching this this moment, um, you know, to sort of t- to gain Fortress Vader in, in, in this weird sort of spirit guise as well, though, which I think is quite kind of cool. It looks really cool. Mm. Um, because he gets this vision, there's a, there's a really cool moment in this where he's gone through all his force, you know, they've seen all the past, and he looks at what is being built, um, and he's you know it's this sort of like black silhouette, 
and then it then it sort of like it pans back and it looks at him and then it pans back it depends on your point what does it say it says uh, the truth that we cling to depends on your point of view and it pans back and you can see this glittering vision of a, of a building which i think is a, is it supposed to be the i'm gonna blow it jedi up. temple is it the jedi temple yeah, oops, yes, so, yes, it is. Yeah, so, I, I'm on the same. I'm on the same part that you are. Yeah, it's it, the thing in the top is the fortress of Vader, yes. and then yeah, it says depends on your point of view, and it changes to the Jedi Temple. And then obviously the Je- it gets presented by the sort of all these dead Jedi. Um, but again, like I say I, I, I like this thing of like the Jedi. It's not gone from him because we always think of him as a Sith. You know, that's mm-hmm. where you, that's how you were first introduced to him, all sort of stuff. But you think that, you know, obviously we know it was Anakin now, but. I love the fact that the book keeps tapping into this fact that like, in the back of his head, he is still a trained Jedi. You know, we had mm-hmm. all these years, he was, you know, he was sort of, um, and so it's still always there. It's almost like, again, it's this thing about the hero's journey versus the uh, villain's journey. You know, mm-hmm. I think of, um, you, you always get, you get characters that committed atrocities at some point and now they do their heroic acts as a sort of an act of redemption. You know, they sort of, okay, well, I did these things during the war, but now I'm back and I have to do these things to redeem myself, to protect the people, you know. And this is almost the best, this is the reverse. Like, I spent all these years as a good guy, so now I've got to do dreadful things to people to <laughs> to, to be a true Sith. Um, and, and so it's just this, this sort of like flipping of the trope uh, that I kind of like. It's, it works for me. Mm. Uh, and he keeps having to face up to these things as well. Yeah, I mean, one of the things I love that I I only clocked this on this uh, re re watch re reread mm. um, is actually in the where is it on the fourth panel uh, sorry fourth page so like well basically the, the one after when he walks into the after the first panel you see him in the portal the way you see him for people listening is you see his corpse so from his like thighs up and from his like. Uh, so the middle of his arm sort of up and his head is the yeah. burnt crisp Vader, you know, it's black and it's a red and things and you can see his glowing eyes, but then his limbs are made from like, as you said, like a spirit guide, like a force guide, like a force ghost sort of thing. What's interesting is that the color of that is blue and that would indicate yeah. light and his, one of his arms is missing. Yeah. So obviously his Jedi form is the, is the kind of, extension of himself in a way but he still lost that part of his hand while he was a jedi when he Mm. fought dooku in episode two so it was interesting that that part and that was obviously very specific i would say by uh, charles saul because he's very much a man about detail and you just see that and you go okay so even in his true jedi form when he's having a force vision stuff he still hasn't got that part of his hand back because he lost that as a jedi and that's fair that him as a jedi is one-handed and i just think that little thing is brilliant and just as you say, there's so many little nods here. Like the the first time when he looks at um, his mum and you see Palpatine there and it says, you know, your birth is no father, your birth is unnatural, you're the chosen one. And then you see Palpatine's ghost around Shmi and then some weird spiral where her pregnant belly is. Mm. That's an, in Legends, Plagueis and Palpatine created Anakin. But what yes. they did is they tried to create an evil Sith and then the Force basically created Anakin as a basically middle finger to them, basically going you know what, you can't create life out of this. No. But then the midichlorians made Anakin to try and be the one that brings balance. Yeah. And obviously eventually he does. So it's just all these little clever nods. And it, it goes through the chronology of, of Anakin. And one thing I say about this is that you hear a lot of people on a lot of the groups I'm in talk about, they want a Darth Vader movie. And I do, I do not want a Darth Vader movie. If they made one, I would happily watch it. And I'm sure it'd be a lot of fun. But I don't want one because I just think 
unless you're going to remake this, you can't do it better. You, you, you won't. And they will ruin this, I think, if they made one. You know what I mean? Yeah. If they try to make a Vader story and they try to make him sympathetic and, you know, pining after Padme and all this other stuff. It's been done in the comics twice. If you do it again, it, it just loses, it takes away from it, it the comics. It does, I agree. Fair. One of the things, again, this comes down to the benefits of comics over film. In a film, you've got, what, two, two and a half hours max, mm. really. Right? And you can do a lot in that time. You can. Um, but in this, with a, with a really good run, you can have 25 issues and you can tackle so many things. You can have time jumps and you can do all these different things. In the monologues, you can address things. It, it just gives you a depth of storytelling that you just don't get from a film. Mm-hmm. Uh, and also I find it difficult sometimes when they try and make a, th- um, a villain sympathetic in films. It sometimes comes across in the wrong way. Uh, Joker, mm. I'm looking at you. Um, <laughs> uh, but I think this works. But I th- the, re- there were two things whilst I was reading this that really sprang out to me, and I really wanted to put put them to you. And you've also you've actually answered the first one because my first one mm. was, it seems like he's part Force Ghost, and I was mm. I was I was interested. And I was confused by that. But the other one is we all talk about Luke Skywalker. Like Luke is the hero of the, uh, the you know the the original trilogy and and sort of um all this other stuff but let's be clear i think star wars is the story of darth vader or is the story of anakin Mm -hmm. and i'd never thought of that and it's because i'm not as close as you are and i think like has that now become a bit of a is you know because obviously you've got clone wars and all this other stuff there's never been a cartoon that's followed luke or Mm. you know layer between films or even like post return of the jedi it's all been focused around the clone wars which fine makes sense because that's you don't really want you know the bureaucratic years um (laughs) makes no sense but i feel more and more that people have have connected to the corruption of anakin skywalker becoming darth vader as the journey of star wars Mm -hmm. which is fascinating to me because this is supposed to be the heroic film i mean the the first the first film is that luke skywalker's journey is literally beat for beat um that sort of the, the hero's journey the sort of hero of a thousand faces you know that sort of every step i'm literally i'm reading it at the moment and like you can you know it's all there which is no yeah. problem it's it's myth- mythological it's supposed to be but vader's journey from being this child to becoming this being and then his redemptive act seems to have become the almost like the true heart of, of some of the star wars stuff and, and the impact mm-hmm. it's had on the wider universe is that fair is that is that sort of a, is there a place for that yeah, I mean, the way I've described Star Wars now to a couple of my friends who still haven't seen it, you know, occasionally you go, they say to me, they go, Mike, yep, I've got something bad to tell you. And I'm like, is it to do with Star Wars? And they're like, yeah, I've never seen Star Wars. And I'm like, well, first off, you're lying, because if you've lived on this earth for 20-something years, you've yeah. caught Star Wars somewhere. You probably either just can't remember it or whatever. You know, you've seen Toy Story 2, you've seen part of Star Wars. It's just, it's everywhere. But I describe to people as it's a story of redemption. That's how I would describe Star Wars because the first three is showing how not only just Vader, but also the Jedi. You know, the first three is these Jedi, the prequels, who are basically dicks and are really quite annoying and jarring. And all the coolest ones like Qui-Gon get wrecked. And then you've got Obi-Wan, who I like very much as a character. But in the prequels, he's just, apart from beating Anakin and Grievous, he doesn't, and discovering the clone army, I suppose, Mm. he doesn't hit the high notes one would expect him to in his prime. And there's reasoning for that story-wise, which I think was more of an accident by Lucas than anything. But with the prequels, it's the fall. 
Yeah, yeah. In the originals, it's the rise and the return and the redemption. And then in the sequels, it's the, the legacy. I, and I think yes. what it is, and one of the things that actually annoyed me in um, the way I would have wanted Rise of Skywalker to end is I would have wanted Ben Solo to survive for Rey to maybe die. If she didn't die, it wouldn't be a big deal. But what, I don't care about Rey if she lives or not. I wanted Kylo slash Ben to have lived. And then the last couple scenes is the New Republic trying to work out what to do with him and thinking mm. that what he needs to do is be the opposite of Vader. And he needs to be basically a slave to the Resistance or the New Republic to make up for all of the crimes he did. Because yeah. my least favorite thing, I mean, when they did it in the original trilogy, you know, groundbreaking and stuff, but there's too many times I see in films and it's every action film. Now you get the baddie and they, you know, they're really awful. They murder children or they blow up a bomb or some horrendous stuff, or they kill the you know, in, uh, protagonist's best mate in a horrendous way. And then right at the end of the film, they do one redemptive act and then they die immediately. And it's just like that. That isn't how the world works. You don't just do horrible shit, do one nice thing, and then you die and you go to heaven. That, mm. And what I wanted was the, the consequence. You know, if there's, there's a comic, no, not a comic, there's so, I can't remember where I heard it, but there's someone talking about what if Vader had survived? What if Luke uh, had saved Vader from uh, Palpatine and he didn't die and his suit somehow didn't malfunction the way it did and he lived after? What would happen? And if Vader was genuinely called out and he wasn't going to try and murder everyone? And as a lot of people, there's quite a few ideas I've heard of, of what people think. And I just, I want it. I would want that because I feel like it adds another depth to the Vader story. Because the Vader story mm. is, you know, one of the other things about Rise of Skywalker, I'm not as much a fan of his Palpatine coming back and all this sort of other things. It just kind of yeah. takes away a little bit from, yeah. you know, Vader and things. But the story of Vader is the thing that's most compelling. And I think that's one of the reasons why Hayden Christensen's acting in, especially Attack of the Clones, leaves a lot to be desired. I personally think he's all right in Rise of Sc uh, Revenge of the Sith for the most part, but a lot of people have been rallying behind, you know, Kenobi and the fact mm -hmm. that Hayden Christensen's back in it. And I know a lot of people aren't happy about that, which I understand. What I hope is that Kenobi gives Hayden Christensen another chance. He doesn't yeah. fuck it up, and they get a Vader close enough to these comics. What I'm hoping is because, as you said, like the general consensus for Star Wars fans is always well, something new comes out and they hate it. And then it takes a little while for people to stop hating it for being new. And then eventually they start to like it. You know, the prequels memes have become the resurgence so that in five, 10 years time, people can look back on the sequel trilogy and say how much they love it because generationally and other things, I, I, I really, the redemption of Vader is my favorite part. And I love nothing more in stories than having a character go from good to bad or bad to good. I prefer good to bad because bad to good is so overdone now. And it's, it's quite easy in, in a way to do the storytelling. Yeah. But to have someone go from good to bad in a compelling way, well, it works so hard. It works well. And I'm going to, there's a couple of things I want to tap into actually around yeah, what you've said there. I love what you've said. It's because I've always thought there about the, 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 the groups of trilogies, the being that it's, it is, it's the corruption, the redemption and the legacy. And one of the things I was most disappointed about with the sequel trilogy uh, and there's a long list, but one of those I'm most about <laughs> is this idea. It becomes it because it comes around to Palpatine again. It's almost like, like you say it becomes throwaway because it's like, oh, of course, like I don't care. But it's not Palpatine's legacy that's important. When you watch the films, it is. It's sort of like you have these two um, opposing forces. You know, so you've got. Um, uh, Anakin as, as, you know, uh, and the, the Sith and the Jedi is what it all is comes down to, and you've got what like these two, you know, these characters go on this trajectory. So you have like you say that Darth Vader is running through. Then you've got the, the Skywalker, 
sort of uh, the, in, on the Jedi side. And they reach this point and you get to return the Jedi and you have what happens happened. And what I was hoping, especially, you know, I, I can accept um, uh, Force Awakens, was it um, middle one? Uh, Last Jedi. Last Jedi. I can accept what they do with Luke Skywalker in that because you know it's fine it, it, the, the film itself is a bit of a mess but there's some good stuff in there but i like this it tapping into this idea of like you know don't meet your heroes mm-hmm. because the thing is like you, you've got ben solo who's now become kylo ren based on this sort of even wearing cosplay of darth vader you know sort of this notion of the le- the, of the legend and how it, or how it impacts on you and ray is no different when she gets this thing of meeting Sky- Luke Skywalker, she's as good as a schoolgirl. It's it built around his legend rather than the person. So to then meet him and find out he's actually a bit of a prick. <laughs> but that happens to all of us. Like, you know, we all meet oh, people yeah. and you go, oh, well, he wasn't as nice as I thought. And you, know, you don't take context into account. But um, I like this idea of this, 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 this story that is, like say, the corruption, the redemption, and then the, the impact of legacy or the impact of legend you know, everyone looks at the legend and not the person. Um, and that wasn't played out. And that really disappointed me. But I like the fact that this book, this one in particular, has a couple of moments that really taps into that, this idea of um, legacy, you know, and the fact that it, things stay with you. There's a great panel when he finally beats all these sort of like, you know, these, uh, the Jedi ghosts. They're not really ghosts, they're not force ghosts, but these sort of like mm. depictions of Jedi from this pla- the, the temple and he walks into the temple or this version of it and there's a picture of um palpatine before the corruption before he gets mm-hmm. all like you know messed up and uh, an obi-wan and in between them it says i am your father mm-hmm. which obviously we know you know it's not the true quote from the film it's the one we all think is there um but i love that idea that he, there's this choice there's this hangover there's this legacy of this past and then they have a fight and he still makes this weird choice of he watches obi-wan killed but then still turns on palpatine mm-hmm. which taps into this thing of like you know he's not really you know he's not well i'm not going to defend obi-wan but you know what i'm not a fan of palpatine either, either either and it still comes down to padme and i just like this idea that throughout all of this stuff all the Star Wars films always comes back to this idea of the, the baggage and the shit that we carry with us is actually really important. And it just makes, the, they seem to have honed in on Vader as being this nuanced villain. He's not really in the films in many cases, but they've really made him that. Um, and I just find that really fascinating that they've done this. And I'm, I'm definitely going to go back and read this run. Yeah, it is. I'd say it is my favourite uh, Vader run and I wouldn't say I would recommend the Greg Pak one at the moment I'd say the way to describe it is the Kieran Gillen one it's a lot of fun it's cool but it only goes so deep um, mm. then this one it's the opposite it doesn't really connect to the original trilogy in, in the sense story wise but in uh, themes and emotional weight of the character it's heavy the Greg Pak new run is right in the middle yeah. it's got connections to the sequel trilogy it's got flashbacks w- one of the storylines is um in the greg pack one is is in the first or second comic and it's on the cover so i'm not spoiling anything he meets you know um in the prequels padme's got all the handmaidens and there's a couple that uh, impersonate her right yes. in the first one there's like sabe and a couple of whose names escape me yeah yeah one of i think it is kira knight's character she's in the darth vader comics right he's still pretending to be padme and he sees her 
and he just looks at her and then the comic ends and then you see but the first part of the comic he's staring and he can't understand because she looks ex- she's wearing the stuff she wore on Tatooine the, the yeah, white yeah. thing yeah. and he's staring at her when he's meant to be he's meant to be going on this quest because it's all about he finds out obviously Luke's alive you know fully in um uh, in the first set of comics, you know, Darth Vader's trying to find out who Luke is or who blocked the Death Star. Then he finds out from Boba Fett it's Luke, and then he's trying to basically hunt down Luke. Then he finds Luke eventually in Empire Strikes Back. Mm. He reaches out his hand to Luke. Luke says no, and then Luke basically chooses to he'd rather die than be with his dad, which is why he lets go of the thing and falls. In the Greg Pak comics, the third one, it's Vader trying to deal with the fact that his son, the only person he thought maybe could bring him some sort of salvation, has rejected him because of his yeah. choices. And it's him going through, and he goes back through, and he meets like the mortician who buried Padme and says, was Padme pregnant with twins or whatever? Trying to find out more information about Padme and to try and find Luke again. And him coming into contact with Padme's kind, and she doesn't know he's Anakin. Mm. So she knows he's Vader, knows the, the sort of you know, the iconography of it, yeah, yeah, and she's terrified of him, obviously, because he can just wipe understandably, him out. Um, yeah. But it, the di- the dynamic and the depth, and there's a lot of flashbacks about him looking at her, and then there's the next panel is like him looking at her from Attack of the Clones, weather. So, th- if people like these comics, the the second run, the third run is a real nice middle between the depth of this one and the other ones, and it's it's just really cool. The imagery of this is more powerful than the storytelling, I'd say. Mm. The storytelling is really cool. You know, mm. Fortress of Vader is a cool story, but I don't really give a shit about Darth Vader having a fortress on Mustafar because it's barely anywhere apart from Rogue One for like a second. So that doesn't interest me necessarily because I don't need to know how many plans the architect went through and building yeah. Vader's castle. I don't give a shit about that. But when you see it and you see like, it's almost like the what ifs. In a sense, these force visions, and one of the things uh, my friend Reese actually said is the one thing he likes the least about Star Wars and the canon and stuff is the fact that because there's a new canon, everything has to connect. He said he would just would just want like a hundred what if stories about Vader. Mm. You know, what if this happened? What if? Because he just thinks Vader's such a cool character, you could do anything with him. And I think you and I discussed on one of our shows like Vader versus aliens. Yeah, xenomorphs. Yeah. That'd be probably the coolest story ever, and I want it to be a comic of it. And I've got fingers crossed at one point in the next few decades. Just so even just a one. If I tell you, what, we'll get on to it. No, I will tell you now. My dream is that, a, uh, that that Marvel just do at one point a series of one shots where they take all the properties that they own and going to go. We're going to have Vader versus um, and yeah, the xenomorphs, and then we're going to put you know Wolverine versus Predator. Just one oh, shot. Don't have, don't have to be in canon. Just we're going to do a good story, pick someone, and then we're going to do these things. Oh, that'd be great. Um, oh, I'd kill for them. Yeah. Yeah, uh, it's, it's amazing. But as I said, this, the imagery of this, where the whole thing is still, the whole of this run, because this, this is the finale of a 25 mm. run, is him just trying in any way of desperation to somehow, as soon as he gets a glimpse that maybe you could bring Padme back, he goes into this realm and he co- approaches her. And it's so strong because, like, you see him throughout the uh, the vision. He's slowly f- forming again, as yeah. in, like, his hands come back in the Force Ghost sort of style after he um, does a few things. And so he's like, he walks up to her Padme. He's got all his skin, and he looks like Anakin from Episode Three. Mm. And he reaches out to her, and then you know her eyes go, and she says, "Anakin Skywalker's dead." And she jumps off the balcony rather than be with him. And he reaches down for her, saying, "I won't let you go." And then a giant a bit of lightning just disintegrates her completely and he's oh, just there more than that, more than that as she yeah. th- she starts to throttle herself mm. which is creepy as hell <laughs> yeah it is like the 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 artwork once again in these comics are incredible and you're just mm. watching her yeah, slowly fall and go horrendous and then just the lightning cuts her in half basically yeah. and he just 
he says no and then he you know you see no loads and loads and loads of times and whatever but it's just like anakin would do anything to get to padme and the whole irony of it is that's the problem mm-hmm. is that he he wants Padme for himself. That's basically the idea. He had possessive love rather than true love, which is one of the reasons he went wrong. But it's like, he will do anything to Padme. And most people, when they say, I'll do anything for love, you know, there's a meatloaf song. I'll do anything for love, but I won't do that. Um, I'll do anything for love. I'll do anything for you. But when it comes to, I will literally commit genocide. I will murder children and I will kill, I'll throw away all my beliefs and kill everyone I've ever cared about just yeah. so I have a chance of being with you. Well, that's too far. And Anakin never, he never had that. And I think that with this comic, this is the final, not necessarily final echoes because it comes up again at some point, but like one of those big pins in the coffin, which is saying, yeah, you fucked up. You were the reason that Padme went. It was no one else. Like this whole force vision, even if you killed Palpatine, even if you beat Obi-Wan, even if you killed every Jedi and none of them ever betrayed you as he views it, she still wouldn't want you because the point is, is that you were, became everything she hated Yes. for a chance to be with her and that's your biggest problem and i just think this comic does it so much better than revenge of the sith does oh, i love revenge of the sith it does it but, really does it's like you say, it completes the story and it adds depth to it i mean again this is the benefit of comics they can do some great stuff mm-hmm. and you know i love the fact that like this final bit that when padme sort of throws herself off and you instead of getting like no you do get the no 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 and it sort of it works but there's two bits that i really like and there's, well, there's a third which we'll come to in a minute because it's a little funnier but he gets like a um he gets like a i assume it's a false vision because he gets a glimpse he sort of you know he's got his his, his temple there his fortress mm-hmm. and he stood at the balcony you see this flash of blue white light and there's a figure uh, in it and it's sort of then a you know the noise comes up as the, sort of the of the of the saber um and it's clearly supposed to be Luke. And it's depicting yep. sort of like his own finale, his own final. Uh, and that's when he sort of wakes up and stuff. But you get this moment towards the end as well, where he sort of, uh, ve- um, uh, Palpatine says to him, um, um, good, uh, tell me, Lord Vader, the truth you learned on Mustafa, was it what you sought? Was it what you needed? Mm-hmm. And it's sort of like, you know, he's obviously saying that, like, was it, what you, you know, was it, I think it's a genuine question. Was it what you needed? And you sort of, the final panel is a full page spread of, of Vader saying yes. But it's not, it's this thing of saying, well, no, that yes is, it's not what he wanted. Because he wanted to, to, like you say, to contact with Padme and bring her back and do whatever was needed. It's what he, it's not what he wanted. It's what he needed or what, the, what is needed for him to continue his journey as Vader. It's this thing of like, oh yeah, as you said, that nail in the coffin. It's that moment where it's like, yes, it's what I needed for to almost to put these childish thoughts aside and to focus on this thing. Um, and I like that moment. I really like it as a, as a sort of a definitive moment. So yeah, excellent, absolutely mm-hmm. excellent. Something I will throw in because they say little nods. Third page in, I think it's mm-hmm. third page. A couple of pages in, you get the first part where it goes back to him on. Um, Tatooine, yes, as a kid, and you get two within like within three panels. You get two little sort of like nods, which I thought was hilarious. You get him going; uh, he's running down the street, and he says, "Ah, stupid sand." And I was like, <laughs> "Love it." I thought, I, thought I, was gonna, <laughs> I hate that line in in uh, Tackle Clothes, but works here. But then also, you get the bit where he, his shadow, he, the little boy, little Anakin, has the the Darth Vader shadow. It's the bloody poster. <laughs> yeah, it is. And I was like. That's awesome. That is so cool. Um, but it, I did want to know, I did want to ask, like, because it goes back to um, 
he then have you then have like the corrupted burnt version of the child mm -hmm. which is interesting but you also see a moment when um young anakin wakes up and you know shouts no and his, his mum sort of attends to him and she's only a dream i just need to confirm because you sort of see it behind him then it's a sort of like he's seeing these memories these things and these burning these burning images was he having force visions as a kid then of him and this sort of as, as this sort of as, as vader in the future already is that what that's saying I, I there's no to my knowledge there's no definitive answer i think that part is specifically down for interpretation and, and i like to think yes because there is a line by qui-gon and he does say to shmi when he meets anakin he says can she uh, does he know things can he see things happen before they do and she says mm. yes she doesn't quite she's not even hesitant she goes yes he does and i think that he probably was having force visions and one of the things i, I think it would work so well is because he it's the whole thing of um self-referring prophecy isn't it it's the whole time he is he's told he's the chosen one and stuff like that when and all these other things and he wants to be a jedi he wants to save all the slaves he wants to do all these things and it's just him causing his own problems and i think that the dreams are a very big part of that because obviously when he sees his mum dying in episode two he then goes off and murders like a whole tribe of sand people and then when he sees yeah. padme dying he goes mental and that's what caused him to basically be vader and i think it links well both of the imagery of the dreams are what caused him but also in a literal sense i can only remember probably five bad dreams i had before the age of 20 you know there's, there's i used to have a dream journal because i had nightmares for quite a while and lots of weird dreams so i started writing them down it basically when you write them down it stops having nightmares a lot of the time mm. and i just i in my head canon i like to think he did have that exact vision of sort of um you see you know she say i was only a dream and things and then it turns and you see him sort of walking and seeing all the fire and whatever i like to think that yeah he he does have that dream but because it was so long ago he just thinks oh that's just a you know, that's just a, a, a conflation, a, a conflation of memory and, and dream and, and, and other things. Yeah, exactly. Yeah. So for him, when he was young, it's probably like, yeah, I had this bad dream and it was just a bad dream. But obviously, for all we know, I mean, I could have had a, when I was 10, I could have had a dream of my own death, but I've had several dreams of me potentially dying. It, what makes that one the one that sticks out? And I think that works really well. So for, I'd say for me, yes, that I, I would agree that that is. And it works on so many levels, you say, like sort of the sort of, the shot which is the poster of him standing there and you see vader's shadow that never happens in the film because that that just doesn't happen in the film it's not possible yeah. but when you see that i just think it it's one of the things i love about charles saul is like as you said the whole stupid sand thing he knows all the and it's kind of what i do i think i mean charles saul i'd like to compare myself to my favorite author of course <laughs> I, I think that what he does is what i do is every kind of bit in star wars that's jarring or a bit crap or a bit annoying i try less so to go that's a fault with the filmmaking and i try to go that just happened in universe sometimes people say stupid things sometimes people act like twats sometimes sometimes you have a conversation and you just say the completely wrong word and it comes out and it's just opposite what you want to say but in films you don't get that because in films everyone seems to say exactly perfectly what they say all the time yeah and they watch rick and morty and they mess up a bit which is good hmm. but yeah i think charles saw he knows some of the silliness he knows some of that stuff and he plays on it and in the uh, in the current run of Star Wars, so the second run of Star Wars, which is set between Empire Strikes Back and um, uh, Return of the Jedi, Charles Saul is now writing that. And there's a bit where Luke Skywalker, he is going through loads of stuff. I can't remember the details, but he basically is going through loads of different uh, terrains and stuff. And he lands, and there's one boy he lands, 
and he lands on sand and he puts his hands through the sand and he goes ah oh, sand i'm so happy to see you you know i love sand <laughs> and that's just funny because obviously it's such a yeah that you love or hate sand is such a weird thing to say but the funny thing is obviously because in canon it's already been said that it's got that connectivity yeah exactly and that's what i like i like the fact that yeah there's some stupid shit in star wars doesn't make sense but you can kind of subtly point and laugh at it without ruining or trying to take away from the, the creators of that original content but adding to the thing you're reading at the moment being like yeah that was a bit silly wasn't it have a little laugh about it and move on so love it little in jokes we all have a good in joke um Yes, so I think I think we'll sort of we'll wrap up there on that. Yeah. But um, that's the three cracking comics. And I will say I've read bits and pieces. I when when uh, Marvel first started doing the Star Wars, I read the, I started to read them and I've read bits and pieces. I've now read the Kieran Gillen run. I'm definitely going to read the Charles Soule run, um, and I will try some more. So yeah, thank you for introducing me to those books. So that's that's really cool. Um, but yeah, I, I've been really impressed. They really are good. One thing I will say is they've taken Vader and they, they've done with Vader what they've wanted to do with other villains. Like they, DC clearly wants to do this with the Joker. Like they can't <laughs> seem to stop writing about that bleeder at the moment. It's getting on my nerves. <laughs> like he's in every... And he's, 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 he's going to be a Snyder Cut as well for no reason. <sighs> yeah, he's got his own comic at the moment, which, I, you know... He, it makes no sense. I, I, I'm sure it's terrible, but um, there are villains that, you know, they do it a little bit. Like they did it you know, marginally with like uh, Mr. Freeze and they've done other stuff. Like, you know, Poison Ivy's now got a bit more of, a, of this sort of thing, but there's very few villains that you can give, as you said, this sort of like transition, almost like Breaking Bad. Like, you know, this is a, mm. you can't do this with many villains. And uh, I, I think they've done it. It could have been an absolute steam pile. This could have been a car wreck. You know, it could have been clumsy and it could have been cliched, and it could have, but they really seem to have handled this with some of the best writers and, and artists as well. So well done to Marvel for, for, for handling mm. this in such a way. Um, so well done for that. It's, it's excellent. So anyway, so any final thoughts then on the comics that you've said? Anything you want to sort of throw in just before we wrap up? I would say to people, um, which I try to tell everyone uh, when it comes to Star Wars comics, because I've read basically all of them. And so I like to think I have a pretty good idea. There's no bad ones, but there are mm. plenty of okay ones. Like the, I'd probably say the majority of Star Wars comics are okay. That, that's unfortunately the truth. And the main run of Star Wars comics, there's a couple of excellent arcs. There's a Rogue One arc, which is the sequel to Rogue One. Um, and they go... You know, the, the hand layer and Luke and stuff they go to um, Jeddah and it's really cool the artwork's pretty good it's very interesting but really the main run of Star Wars is not where you want to be if I'm being mm. honest I always say to people read the Darth Vader comics read this run of Charles Saul 2017 it's called Darth, uh, Darth Vader Dark Lord of the Sith 25 issues they're all excellent they link to Star Wars Rebels the Inquisitors you get to see a couple of Jedi that survived Order 66 and then come into contact with Vader and then after that, read the Jason Aaron Darth Vader run. It's, it's about 20 issues, I think, and introduces mm. Afro, which is quite cool. And then read uh, the third run, which is ongoing at the moment, which is Greg Rooker's ones. I'd say the Darth Vader comics are the quintessential Star Wars comics. If you read them and you absolutely love them and you need more, then you can read the other ones because he pops up in the main run of Star Wars and things like yeah. that. But really, if you read... I'm not saying everyone has to read all of the Darth Vader comics, but if you read all the Darth Vader comics mm. and you don't like them, I can almost guarantee you will not like the rest of the Star Wars comics because they are, 
they're just yes. the best ones yeah. bluntly it, as soon as the new raider comic comes in the post like normally i try and when new star wars comics come i try and wait for the arc to finish and i can read the whole arc in one go because waiting right. a month at a time to read 30 pages drives me mental can't do it without darth vader as soon as darth vader comic comes in i'm reading it that moment because they're that mm. good and even now where it's showing him between empire strikes back and return of the jedi it's showing that turn of his back to the light so well and the only other thing i'd say is that the only comic I'd say that really comes close to this is the Rise of Kylo Ren miniseries. Four comics. Uh, it's set for... You get some flashbacks of Ben Solo when he was with um, Luke when he was really young, when he was like 10. Mm. It gives origin story of the Knights of Ren. It shows the bleeding of the lightsaber crystal and it gives more context to what happened at the Jedi Temple as well. And I think, once again, these things should have been answered in yeah, the sequel well. trilogy. Yeah, They weren't, but <laughs> Charles Saul, he's the one who wrote the Rise of Kylo Ren. Charles Saul did them, and I just think that he's the one to watch. He's he's written the High Republic book, like the Jedi that I did a review of recently. It's amazing, and I just yeah. think he is going to be. I'm I'm saying this is a betting man. Ten years, maybe twenty. He's if he continues on the same trajectory, he's going to be seized the new game in a Star Wars because I think if he makes, if he can write a screenplay or have any hand in any sort of series, it will be absolutely top tier. So aside from that, yeah, I, I should, I'm happy I should... to. Go ahead. Sorry, I was going to. I, was gonna say, I, should, I should say. No, I should say. If you like what Charles Saul, Saul is doing, go check out. If you, if you uh, go check some of his other comics out. Like he's done outside. Daredevil and Wolverine. I think he's done he? Daredevil. He did an amazing Swamp Thing. Um, and he's oh, got, he's, he's, he's touched Swamp Thing. That's yeah, yeah, I didn't yeah, yeah. know that. Funnily enough, yeah. he followed. Uh, he followed Scott Snyder's run on the New Fifty Two, and uh, so the New Fifty Two was a bit of a mess, but there were things that stood stood out. And uh, Scott Snyder and Jeff Lemire had a parallel run on uh, Sn- uh, Animal Man and, and um, Swamp Thing, and then Charles mm. Soule followed it up, and it was really good. But he's done some fantastic stuff. So if you, I, I do recommend checking some of those those out as well. Um, Wonderful. But yeah, so yeah, put, plug away. So where else can people find you anyway? What else? Could, where else can they sort of listen to you chattering away? So uh, my flagship podcast is Genuine Chits Chat. Um, you can find me on social media at Genuine Chits Chat on Instagram, Twitter, and on Facebook. Um, I've had Scott on the show. We were going to talk about HP Lovecraft, and they got sidetracked by sci-fi <laughs> stuff for two hours. And so at some point in the next probably few weeks or months, we'll have you on again, and we'll try and talk about HP <laughs> Lovecraft this time. Um, so on Genuine Chit Chat, different guest every episode I've had. Bands, Millie Man's in the Shut Up, Iron Man, Shadow, musical artists. I've had filmmakers, I've had other podcasters, I've interviewed Claudia Gray, I've got some other people involved with some people who've been in Star Wars, some people who create mm. Star Wars content like I do, people who are authors. In the next couple of months, all of them will be uh, on the show as well. So, Claudia Gray was the big one that I had on my show late last year. And then, if you don't want a nice big variety and you only want me talking about star wars then i've got a show on comics in motion the show is called star wars comics in canon new episodes come out every saturday um on spotify and all the usual podcast places it's on the feed of comics in motion and if you want to just listen on youtube uh is on the feed of on my channel genuine chit chat so if you follow me on social media at genuine chit chat i post snippets of the conversations i have each week i post photos of the comics that i tackle on star wars comics in canon and as well as all the guest spots i generally do i'll make individual posts about those too so star wars conversations like this some of them are nerdy some of them are not that's genuine chit chat and every conversation i have that is heavily to do with star wars i put on the feed of star wars comics in canon as well so star wars junkie check out my star wars podcast if you're not 
genuine chit chat. And I just want to say thank you so much for having me on, Scott. It's always a delight to be it's, on uh, 20th Century Geek. It's always good to have you. And I've been, you know, ever since we did Batman, I always wanted to do the uh, desert comics, the desert island comics. So this has been absolutely fantastic. So, and you say, actually, if you just like good audio entertainment, check out both. I think you know, genuine chit chat and uh, Star Wars comics in canon are both fantastic. I've learned a lot from Star Wars comics in canon. There's a couple I've held back on mm. because I know I want to read certain things. So I'm like, oh, no, 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 I'll, I'll, I'll get to that <laughs> at a later date. Um, so uh, yeah, but wonderful. I, I highly recommend both podcasts. Uh, and all the stuff that's coming out of comics, uh, the Comics in Motion Network, they're doing, uh, mm. doing God's work. Different different show basically every day of the week. And yeah. you and I have been on, you're like a cut. I call Genuine Chit Chat and 20th Century Geek like the cousins of the yes. Comics in Motion family. Because yeah. like we just appear, obviously I've got my own show on there as well, which does help. But like we appear on, we did comics on trial together where I defended Phantom Menace. And we've done like lots, you've been on comics on trial as well since yeah, and before yeah. and I have as well on different parts. And it's just like a nice big collaborative family. So awesome. people... Just go check it out. You've got mandatory Marvel and DC. What's the topic? Indie Comic Spotlight. Basically, every perspective of comics you could possibly want, whether it's discussing them uh, from different eras or whatever, we've got you covered. Go check out yes, comics in motion. Seriously, some of the best stuff. All right, but anyway, so for 20th Century Geek, as we wrap up, if you want to come in contact with us, you can find me at, at 20th Century Geek on all the social medias, uh, Twitter, Facebook, Tumblr, Instagram, the works. Just look for 20th Century Geek. Or if you want to email me directly, it's 20thcenturygeek at gmail.com. There's 20thcenturygeek.com where all the episodes are. There's blogs, reviews, and other things on there. And we've got a Patreon, uh, and we do a couple of things on there. We do a monthly podcast where it's me garbling on for 30 minutes in my 30 minute thoughts for a subject chosen by my patrons. Uh, we've done all kinds of things on there. And this month we are talking about faulty towers uh, and the sort of decline of the middle class in the seventies in sitcoms. That's what it's going to be about. Cause that's what's in my <laughs> head. <laughs> um, I do love uh, faulty towers. Oh yeah. Yeah. Uh, I'm, I'm, it's a, it's a, I've got all these ideas in my head that are going to come out for 30 minutes at some, at some point in the next day or two. Anyway. And the other thing is we do a, I do a creator corner. I had Kieran Gillon, Gillen on uh, to talk about uh, once and future, but I did have some Darth Vader conversation off air. Um, and recently I spoke to Richard McLean Smith about the uh, podcast unexplained. So more of that. So go check out our Patreon. That's Patreon 20 CG pod. Uh, and you'll find all different things on the tiers on there. But other than that, thank you very much for listening. I appreciate you all, and we shall see you in the next episode. Mm-hmm.